Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Hi, everybody. Um, my name's Maeve, so we're just going to read now. Um, we have a couple of verses in Exodus 20, and then we'll finish in Matthew 6. Um, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your tents. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Then in, in Matthew 6, let's continue on. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothed the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? you have little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so we'll just pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the technology that lets us all hear them together. Thank you that these words, although written to a different generation, a different language, and a different continent, they still are relevant to us and they still speak truth to our lives. Bless Steve as he speaks and let his words fall on all those who need to hear them. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, lovely to to be with you. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers on the... uh, on the call, uh, you do amazing work, and um, yeah, the the mullets. Uh, uh, I'm glad that let it grow beat the mullets. Um, so we are spending the month of March reflecting on the ancient idea of Sabbath to help us answer many of our modern problems, problems around hurry, distraction, emotional tiredness, lack of boundaries, mental health, and burnout. I don't think it's just me because I think life for many people can feel relentless and exhausting. It's like we're on a treadmill. And and we're trapped on it and we can't get off. So we just keep running and we just keep running. We want to get off. We're not sure how to get off. We're a bit scared to get off. So we just keep on running. Will it be okay to get off? How does one get off this relentless race of life? We're often not sure why we're running. We forget that. We're not sure for whom we're running. We forget that. And we just feel pressure inside of us and outside of us. It's just, just keep on running. 
and we're tired of running. In fact, our, our society feels tired of running, even in COVID, where we have more time on our hands, supposedly, and we're less busy than we've ever been, supposedly. The tiredness has not gone away. If anything, the tiredness has increased. Why? Where does this tiredness come from? Well, the thesis of my talk today is that the tiredness comes from anxiety, not from busyness. It's not our busy lives or bored lives that make us tired. It's our busy hearts and our restless minds. There is a sickness inside each of us that needs to be cured. And today I want to propose the Sabbath is the antidote to our anxiety sickness. Sabbath is the way to deal with that deep tiredness we feel in our souls that comes from anxiety. Sabbath is the way to get off the treadmill. So what we're going to do today is we're going to be like a patient who goes to the doctor. We're going to visit our doctor, God, our Heavenly Father, with our anxiety and tiredness problems. And we're going to talk over the symptoms like you would with a doctor. We're going to ask the doctor to diagnose the root problem underneath them all. We're going to ask the doctor to prescribe us a solution. What is our medicine that we need? And we're going to ask the doctor to suggest some follow-up practices, some rehab that needs to happen after we've been given our medicine to make sure we have long-term health. So let's start. Well, I've already mentioned some of the symptoms in my introduction, so let me mention them more from a personal note. There were two moments in my early 20s when I vividly remember anxiety gripping my heart. Both were to do with fear of failure. The first was when I thought I was going to fail a university exam. And the second was when I thought I was going to fail, in, in, in a sense, at giving my first ever evangelistic talk in a local pub in Leeds. I remember feeling sick and distracted and heavy. I was consumed by the anxiety as I considered I might fail and therefore be a failure. And I was so tired coming up to and particularly coming out of those two experiences. More recently in my 30s, I can think of two other examples when anxiety gripped my heart. One was when I thought Annabelle might drown in a river uh, when we were on our sabbatical. And the other one was when I thought the world and my job and everything was just sort of going to go up in the air because of the COVID crisis. In these cases, it was not fear of failure that caused the anxiety, rather fear of losing control. And it scared me. And it was exhausting. It made me restless. It made me feel heavy. Those are two typical reasons why I can feel anxious. I wonder what it is for you. It might be fear of failure and fear of losing control like me. Maybe it's fear of rejection, fear of being known. You don't want people to know you. Fear of being taken advantage of because of something in your past. Fear of the unknown. Fear of never finding a life partner. Fear of social circles if you're an introvert. Fear of being alone in the kind of, if you're an extrovert and that's just a hard. Whoever you are, however it manifests, Anxiety wants to keep us running on the treadmill. Anxiety says you've never done enough and you are not enough and you don't have enough. So keep on running. Acquire more, produce more. Prove yourself. And it is exhausting. And our society is tired, isn't it? Mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. The treadmill is tiring. Anxiety saps life out of us. And it stops us becoming the people God wants us to be. 
So those are the symptoms of our society. What's the problem? If you, our doc, we go to the doctor with all those symptoms, what does the doctor say? Well, our doctor, if it's Jesus, says this. The problem is you have a divided heart. That's the root problem, he's going to say. Now, we're going to get there. Stay with me. When God gave the Israelites the fourth commandment in, in Exodus 20, he did, you know, to obey the Sabbath. He did so in the context of his great rescue of them out of Egypt and out of from under the rule, the tyrannical rule of Pharaoh. Do you remember the Israelites were slaves in Egypt? Their, their, their parents had been slaves. Their grandparents had been slaves. They'd always been slaves. And when Moses confronts Pharaoh and says, let my people go, Pharaoh says, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep your quota the same and I'm going to take away the resources. You have to produce more with less or produce the same with less. Egypt was an empire that devoured human beings one brick at a time for centuries. It was a pyramid. And Pharaoh was at the top of the pyramid and he was ravenous and hungry. So even when he had enough, we learn in the beginning of Exodus, he built store cities for all the extra that he had. Production and acquisition were the signs of that culture. And guess what, my friends? Slaves don't get a Sabbath. They work all day, every day, and then they die. That's the life of a slave. And Egypt is well alive in our hearts and our world. The obsessive desire to accumulate, to succeed, to become rich and powerful and secure, to have store cities for all the extra that we need to make sure we're okay. It's the foundation of much of Western life. Pharaoh would have loved modern culture and probably got to the top of the pyramid. So when God says to the people, and when God, sorry, excuse me, when God saves his people out of slavery, out of that relentless Egyptian system, out of the tyranny of Pharaoh's rule, and he says in the fourth commandment, every day, every week, excuse me, I want you to have a Sabbath. <gasps> Imagine how life-giving that must have sounded to people who had only ever been slaves. They'd worked without ever resting and now they were told you're going to rest every single week. Can you see the fuller implications of the Sabbath with that backdrop? The Sabbath was a, a declaration of satisfaction. We looked at this last week. We can enjoy the things we've done before we move on quickly to the next thing. We can stop and enjoy. The Sabbath was an act of liberation. It was a way of saying, uh, I, I, I'm going to celebrate my freedom. I've been set free and I'm not a slave to anyone and I'm going to revel and enjoy my freedom. That's the topic of next week. We'll look at that when we think of satisfaction. Thinking of today, the Sabbath was a declaration of true identity. All the other nations worked seven days a week. None of them had a day off. The Sabbath was a Jewish idea. None of the other nations had that idea. All the other nations worked, 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 worked. Your identity, your, your hope was secure in your work, not Israel. One day a week, God said to Israel, no, 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 your identity, your security is not bound up in your work. It's bound up in me. So spend a day reflecting on that. Work is not to be your, uh, your identity. And therefore, you shouldn't get anxious about your work or your achievements or your successes or your failures or how much you've accumulated or your money and power. Those things are not the be all and end all. On the Sabbath, you remember what and who you are running for. 
And who is the be all and end all? And it's God. So stop and declare your true identity in him. And do you remember, oh, finally, the, the Sabbath is therefore an act of trust. Because do you remember the Israelites had to gather manna for six days of the week, but they had to gather twice as much on the sixth day so they were, could eat without working on the seventh day. In other words, they lived in dependence on God's provision, not their productivity. God was their provider, and the Sabbath was a way of ensuring that their trust was in him and not themselves. On the Sabbath, the Israelites remembered who was the ultimate provider who was in charge of the world, and it wasn't them. It was their God. In other words, the Sabbath is a day where you and I say, God is the one that really provides for my family. I know I feel that pressure with my kids every day. No, but God is the one that provides for them, not me. God is the one that keeps the ministry and the church going, not me. God is the one that means I have enough money, not my work. God is the one that means I have job security for the future, not how, how hard I work. God is the one that means my plans for the future may or may not come true, but it's not just my hard effort to secure them. Sabbath is a day when you say, I am not God and God is the ultimate provider and he's ultimately in control. So Sabbath was a declaration of satisfaction, an act of liberation, a declaration of true identity and an act of trust. As one scholar put it, it's an act of resistance to Egypt and an invitation to an alternative way of life. A life not defined by consumption, achievement, accomplishments, competition, performance and possessions. Let's not have that define us, it says. The Sabbath offered Israel a new identity and therefore a new way to live. Israel had to resist that way of life that they'd only known in Egypt. A life defined by work, quotas, production, efficiency, acquisition and progress. And they had to learn a new way of life. And what did God say the new way of life was to be defined by? Not efficiency, but loving God and loving your neighbour. So, we're at the doctor. We have a problem. We get anxious. Why? What's the root problem, the diagnosis? Like the Israelites, we so often return to our old slave masters to find our identity and control. Instead of trusting God, we trust our achievements, our savvy, our hard work. It starts off okay, but it's exhausting if you keep it up. The treadmill comes back. Instead of finding our identity in God, we find it in success or possessions or whatever else. And it starts off okay, but it's exhausting. We're back on the treadmill. What's the underlying problem under our anxiety and our tiredness? It's a divided heart. Whose am I? God or another slave master? Everyone has a master. Everyone is living for something that will control them, dictate your emotions and happiness and confidence. Everyone serves something that has the power to make you tired and anxious. So what's the solution? What does our doctor say the solution is? What's our medicine? Enjoyment of the rest giver, Jesus. And he's a master that doesn't drain us. He's a master that doesn't exhaust us. He's a master that doesn't say, I'm going to take away your resources and you have to produce as much like Pharaoh did. If the problem is a divided heart, then the Sabbath day was a day for taking 
sides. The Sabbath was a day for choosing your allegiance and your master. It was a day for getting off the treadmill and remembering who you're running for, why you're running and how to run joyfully. The Sabbath was a day for unraveling all those knots in your heart and unpicking all the stresses in your mind and giving them to God and saying, no, you're my identity. You're my provider. I'm not God. You're God. You run the world. I don't run the world. The Sabbath was a day for looking at our divided allegiances in our hearts and surrendering them afresh to God. And guess what? The moment you surrender your heart afresh to God, ah, you can rest, can't you? It's just so liberating to give everything that's in your heart to God and to give up control. The moment you realize you're not God, this is not your world, and you are not in control, that moment of surrender, that is the Sabbath, and it's liberating. It's life-giving. So what does Jesus say? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened under Pharaoh in Egypt, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is clear. There is no yokeless life. Something, someone will command our wills and require us to justify our existence. And all other yokes and all other burdens are heavy laden. The gospel is a yoke that is light and it doesn't leave you anxious or tired. He's saying, I'm the one you surrender to. I am the slave master who doesn't drive you into the ground demanding more from less. No, I'm a life-giving master. I'm, I will never drive you to the ground and crush you. Why not? I will be driven to the ground. I'll be driven to the grave and I'll be crushed. I'll be pierced for your transgressions. So you can rest. You can be justified. You can know forever that you're secure and that you are loved and that you have an inheritance. And there is nothing ultimately to worry about because nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. A Christian is someone who rests in the finished work of Jesus. And as they do, the tiredness and the anxiety dissipate. The work of self-justification, the work of controlling everything, you rest. You get off the treadmill because you're enjoying Jesus, the rest giver. So earlier in Matthew's gospel, when Jesus famously discourses on anxiety, he says it's all about allegiance in your hearts. Remember? He says this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. No one can serve both God and money. Figure out your heart, verse 24, if you figured it out. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Do you see the logic? Once your heart is fully given over to God, you stop worrying. You have no reason to worry because he's your inheritance and any all your treasure is in heaven and nothing can spoil it and nothing can steal it. And so the Sabbath day, in effect, is a day for saying, I am seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things that I think I need, they'll be added on to me. But today I stop and say, God, you're God, 
and I'm not. I'm enough because of Jesus, regardless of what I haven't have or haven't done. I am enough regardless of my success or failure. I am enough regardless of how much I have in the bank account. I am enough regardless of whatever you want to put next that causes you to worry. So on the Sabbath, we enjoy our rest giver, Jesus. And therefore the Sabbath is an act of liberation because we surrender again to him. It's an act of trust as we give him control of our lives. It's a declaration of satisfaction is when we feast only on Jesus. And it's a declaration of our true identity as we say our work, what I can achieve will not define me. What he has achieved for me defines me. And I, by faith, am going to inherit a throne of honour. The Israelites celebrated the Sabbath because Yahweh rescued them out of slavery in Egypt through the Red Sea. We celebrate the Sabbath because Jesus has rescued us out of slavery to sin and death through the cross and resurrection. And we celebrate by resting in him. We practice Sabbath by meditating on passages like Matthew 6 until anxiety is removed from our hearts through him. Jesus is the great physician who heals the divisions and sickness of our hearts. But as the great physician, he prescribes some rehab, some practices to make sure this isn't a one hit wonder. This is a long term, sustainable way to live in our anxiety prone culture. As I said earlier, the Sabbath is an act of resistance and an offer of an alternative way of life. In other words, the pressures and the temptations that we can get sucked into the world's rat race, we can get pulled back on that treadmill. Pharaoh's control, we can serve an old slave master. We need to actively resist and actively choose an alternative way to live. And I want to think about two practices for you. Every week, we're going to give some practices. I want to talk about intentional surrender and intentional boundaries. Intentional surrender, to practice the Sabbath as resistance and an alternative to the cultural narrative is to regularly surrender yourself to God, to give over control of your life to God, to admit the divisions in your heart and the allegiances in your heart, to confess your sins and your idols, to surrender your life again. Do that at the start of each day, giving your day to God and do it at the end of each day reflecting on all the actions and all the relationships and all that happened and all that was revealed in your heart that wasn't good and give that again to God. If the Jews practice the Sabbath one day a week, then not only on the kind of daily rhythm of a Sabbath, we should think about a weekly rhythm of a Sabbath, not as a day off. Eugene Peterson calls the idea of a Sabbath as a day off, as a bastard Sabbath. The Sabbath is not a day off, it's a day of rest. Big difference. We saw last week, to really practice the Sabbath means planning, intentionality, forethought, structure. Even if your Sabbath ends up quite inactive and spontaneous because that fits your character and life, that's fine. But the Sabbath is a holy thing. It's a thing to delight in. It's not just a day off. And so once a week, take time to actively surrender your life afresh to God. And that is why corporate worship was an essential ingredient of Jewish Sabbath. 
meeting together to worship God, singing, hear from God's word, corporate confession, centering our hearts on God. These are critical rhythms of our weekly Sabbath. And as we seek first his kingdom, he will add everything on that we need. So firstly, intentional surrender. Secondly, intentional boundaries. To practice the Sabbath as resistance and an alternative to the cultural narrative we live in is to create boundaries. A day when we create a circle around us, which means all the voices and all the demands and all the anxieties and all the tasks and all the emails and all the relentless social media content and news content and all the WhatsApp messages and all the work of our week. One day a week on the Sabbath, they are all told to halt, to stop. To stop. We need it, friends in our culture. It's relentless. You have to resist it. You have to have intentional boundaries. We're not at the mercy of these things. We will not be dictated to by these things. We're not enslaved to these things. We can say no to these things. So associated with the Sabbath laws were the gleaning laws in which the owners of fields were not allowed to harvest out the edge of their field, but were required to leave a percentage of grain in the field for the poor in the land to glean. In this way, the Sabbath practice includes deliberate limitation of our productivity as a way to trust God and declare our freedom from slavery. For me, I'm learning slowly, but I am learning it. I'm learning slowly to deliberately set fewer goals and tasks for myself in a given week or day as a way of not harvesting the edges of my time energy and commitments because when i don't do that leanne and the kids get my dregs because i'm maxed out god says no no create margin of course we can do that legalistically in a way to prove and justify ourselves but then our hearts will just be anxious and our minds still restless we will have walked away from our work or our social media or from our whatsapp or whatever it is we need to walk away from and that's all we can think about because the sabbath hasn't got into our hearts And so the boundaries only make sense once the heart is surrendered and healed. Once Jesus, the rest giver, has calmed your anxiety, assuaged your guilt and spoken tenderly to your restlessness, only then can you cheerfully have a day of rest that you call holy and you call it a delight. And each day we make sure the boundaries are in place, particularly in lockdown. We must do this. In lockdown, the tendency for one thing to go to the next thing and it all blurs into one and there's no distinction in our weeks, there's no distinction in our days, there's no boundaries in our work, there's no boundaries in our online, there's no boundaries in our social, there's no bound. You can feel it. You can feel it. And it's worse in lockdown. Come to the social media seminar. We're going to think on it. So we need daily and weekly boundaries. When do I start work and when do I stop work? Okay, we have to be flexible, but as a whole, that's what we're trying to do. Screen boundaries. How much TV will I watch and how much will I be online and when will I turn the TV off and close the laptop? Phone boundaries. Will you start and end every day on your phone scrolling? Will you? You don't need to. You can choose not to. You can buy an alarm clock, put the phone in another room. You can put it on silent. For meal times, you can leave it on the side and you can stop the notifications so that you're present with other people rather than being distracted by your phone. You're not being pulled away the whole time by the beeps and the buzzes. A vital aspect of Sabbath 
in modern culture, in my opinion, is to have sorted out the notifications on your phone. What am I going to allow to interrupt me at any point? For me, it's just text messages and a phone call. And my phone is set to grayscale, so it's not very attractive to me. I don't want to click on it the whole time. Now, listen, I enjoy Twitter. I enjoy WhatsApp. So it's about having boundaries. Another thing, multitasking. You need to have a boundary in that the Sabbath is a day for depth, for focus, for enjoyment, for delight, for concentration on one thing or one people group. It's not a hundred things and busy running around. It's a day for enjoyment and to enjoy something, you've got to stop the multitasking and be present in the moment and get rid of the to-do list for a moment. I said to Leanne yesterday, should we put up those mirrors? We got some mirrors and she just said, no. And it's like, yeah, you're right. We won't today. And you need to put boundaries on your prayer and your Bible. In other words, you've got to make sure you know, when am I seeking God's face? How am I doing it? And how am I going to get rid of all the distractions so that I can do that? And again, stage of life and all those things have to be taken into account. And then on top of those weekly and daily boundaries, we need to think about monthly, termly and yearly boundaries. I talked about this last week, but it's so important. We have to have planned time for recreation and avocational rest. What was that? I remember it's deliberately and concentratedly doing something that you immensely enjoy, but it takes effort, but you're not trying to achieve or acquire anything. You're just trying to enjoy and focus and delight in something of God and his gifts to you. It means planned retreat days, half a day off here, a day off there where you have no other agenda, but to pray, to study the Bible, to read, to reflect, to journal, to walk, to be still. Do you have those? Israel had them. And planned holidays, again, where you put boundaries on your work, on your screens, on your phones, on your multitasking. Friends, the pull of Egypt is great. It's a pull that starts in our hearts because we want to self-justify, acquire and produce. But it's reinforced by our society and it makes us anxious and tired. We must find rest in Jesus, the great physician and his gentle heart and intentionally create boundaries, both as a sign that we have found rest in Jesus and a way to increase our rest in Jesus. Now more than ever in lockdown, we are realizing the issue isn't busyness or boredom. The issue is our hearts. And now more than ever, we have to learn that if we don't plan our rest, we will be sucked in to an endless, monotonous, tired, anxiety and complaining world. Let's not be pulled in by that slave master. So like Israel, let's have different periods of sevens and different festivals where we go, this is our rhythm. This is our God. This is our identity. And we will not serve any other master but Jesus. And therefore, we don't have to worry. We seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added on to us as well. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for how quickly we desert you to serve other masters. Forgive us all for how quickly we feel we need to produce and we need to acquire and we need to accumulate and we need to compete and we need to perform. Lord, forgive us for falling into the big pyramid that is Egypt. Thinking that somehow we secure our future, that we're in charge, that we've just got to keep going. Forgive us, Lord where that all springs from a self-justifying spirit. 
But thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came to do all the work that was required and you were driven into the ground, into the grave. You were crushed for our iniquities so that we can rest from self-justification, rest from that sense that we haven't done enough or don't, don't have enough. We can rest in you. We thank you, Jesus, that you come to us and you say, listen, I'm not a nasty slave master who's going to grind you to the ground. You say, my heart and my way is lowly and gentle and kind and I'm for you. And you want to take our heavy burdens off our backs and you want to put them on yours so we can live lightly. So free our hearts, Lord, from those idols, those things that we, we live for that just sap us of energy and cause us anxiety. And may we, like the Israelites, learn, or oh, they, were, they were bad at it, Lord, they were bad at it, but may we learn to revel in our freedom, to enjoy the freedom that you've won for us. And help us, Lord, with the, just regularly, daily, weekly, yearly, to surrender afresh our lives and to put those boundaries in place that say Jesus is the only master we serve. Lord, give us great wisdom in our day of relentless information, relentless connectivity during lockdown where it can even feel more monotonous and relentless. Lord, give us wisdom and your grace for these things that Jesus may be glorified and we may love you and love our neighbour, which is what you are all about. We pray that in your name. Amen.